0: Is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, How are you? two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it? J K. You get it.
1: That's what I thought was so funny.
0: It's not funny. Alongside Keith break. here's the
1: voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. All right, it is a new week. And uh, I can promise you this, two podcasts this week, we're going to talk UTSU men's and women's basketball, and we're going to talk Southern Conference Hoops, plus, I had a chance to ask the Southern Conference Commissioner some questions. MC. Only had about uh, five minutes uh, yeah. to get three or four questions in. We did that. If you listen to the pregame show, men's basketball on Sunday versus Chattanooga, you heard it. Mm-hmm. I assume the majority of folks probably did not, so we're going to play that interview and then I will get Keith's reactions uh, and I will give my own thoughts uh, but when we'll to get his reactions as well uh, to the conversation I had uh, with Michael Cross aka MC and uh, I did have a flub I did uh, when we tried to court it the first time mm-hmm. I did say uh, the southern uh, cross commissioner with uh, Michael conference and um, that's good. Uh, it was. It was. That's good. And, 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 I'll bet that got a laugh. It did. He enjoyed that, and that's when he said, "You know, generally, I gotta be honest. He's like, people just call me MC, and if you're comfortable with that." And I said, "Well, I'm gonna go ahead and drop the whole name when we start, and then I'll go with MC after that." He was like, "Perfect." <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think they didn't save that back in the studio, thank goodness. Otherwise, uh, that would have been the like, slamming the bumper for a long, long time. When if you're gonna mess up somebody's name, why not be the Southern Conference Commissioner? Yes,
0: I'm not going to play the Jay knows the English language bumper. No, I, I wouldn't. Because yeah. I, no, I, I, am, I am on the board today.
1: Admiral has the
0: con. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to be back on the board today. Uh, unless you want me to find you a word of the day for uh, no, for no your, to not, test your knowledge of the English language.
1: No, not today. I'm already depressed enough to do this with the <laughs> results of both games on Saturday and Sunday, so it's, it's about. I don't want to be more depressed. Uh, would you would you say
0: that your disappointment in the outcome of the last two games has you feeling somnolent today? Uh, Probably not. the words that are coming out of my mouth? Uh, uh, would I? <laughs> som- somnolent <laughs> means uh, sleepy or drowsy. No. Feeling really just, just a little drowsy, just like you kind of got the morbs going through the day, you know. I was like, eh. I will say, like, there were
1: a lot of folks that told me that they really enjoyed the fact the game was on Sunday because usually their Saturdays are jam-packed, and it's hard to get to get to the game, but there's just a lot going on. So Sunday was, for a lot of folks, it was, you know, get in, uh, or get up, excuse me, church, maybe eat, then go to the game. Mm-hmm. And so, and I agree that for even my family, like they had nothing going on, so all of my tickets were being used, all the family members were there, all that good fun stuff. But for me, I mean, I was dog-tired. I mean, I got home, and my kids will not do it ever. Normally, Sunday night, i do some homework because, you know, we put it off like a lot of families don't want to do it over the weekend until Sunday. Let, let me ask you this. Let yeah. me ask you this, because
0: you and I have this kind of this schedule that um, I don't know that every broadcaster – most broadcasters in SoCon, I don't think, do this, where we do all of the men's and women's games wherever possible. Um, would you – like to see men's basketball move to Friday-Sunday instead of Wednesday-Saturday and then the women play Thursday. There's a Friday-Sunday and the women play Thursday-Saturday. So you have a full weekend, but um, like the the games are... there's more time between the Sunday game where you feel like you could get a lot of people in because your day's not quite so crowded uh, and you have more days between that Sunday game and your next game on Thursday.
1: You know we've gone back and forth um, because when the league, just be Friday, but yeah. yeah, when the leaks I guess when he tissue got back in the Southern Conference, it was a little bit more of what it was like. Where it was, I'm trying to think. It was Thursday, Saturday, but men's and women's were kind of like they it was opposite. So if the men weren't home Thursday, Saturday. the To carry as many women's games as we can carry. And at the time we rejoined the league, there were several other schools still doing women's basketball. You, you lost a lot of opportunities to cover women's basketball. Right. So going to a different day uh, did kind of work with the Wednesday, uh, which Steve Forbes actually was the lead, him and Mike Young, to try to get Wednesday for better officials okay. more than they were concerned about. And they thought, hey, one night on the road as opposed to three or four would be saving money. Now, there are, again, we talked about this a couple podcasts ago where, where VMI will, you know, uh, and, and Sanford will, will kind of, you know, move games to Thursday, Saturday, so they can stay on the road for some of the further trips, but then they'll day trip, uh, or a one-day trip, like when they come down to Johnson City, they'll come down. Like each issue will do. They'll go up day before, they'll play, they'll come back. So there's some money savings there that go into it. Now, the question is money savings, it's, it's what would I prefer. I kind of liked when the Southern Conference, uh, in the old, old days, when I first started 20-some years ago, was Saturday, Monday.
0: I kind of like that, actually. I I was going to ask you if, like, do you think maybe Sunday, Wednesday?
1: Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because everyone was all fired up about Sunday that I talked to, and they all said church. But they also hate Wednesdays because of church. they they go to church. So it is interesting if you just said, you know what? Both holy days. Wednesday, Sunday. There we go. Let's go at it. But I I don't know. I like like having, uh, I think, for broadcast purposes, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, depending on home and away and how it was staggered and structured, Mm -hmm. would be interesting. The Friday nights, I think, are always tough around here for that. So I would be more apt to say Saturday, Monday probably, Mm -hmm. Um, again. I, I would kind of like
0: it if they were on like opposite ends of the week, so that way you could travel with a team. Say if the games are uh, Sunday, Tuesday for the men, and the Thursday, Saturday for the women, or you flip it around, one Sunday, Tuesday or Sunday, Wednesday, the others Thursday, Saturday. Um, it allow, it allows for more flexible travel. The games aren't bunched over top of each other. People don't have to choose whether they're going to listen to the women's game on the radio or go watch the men's game, try to juggle both. You know, if you spread them out a little bit, especially as women's basketball is, and you'll talk to Michael Cross about this in in, in your interview, and I thought he gave an interesting answer. Um, Women's basketball is a growth property in college athletics, I think giving it more room to breathe and allowing men's basketball to stand on its own and women's basketball to stand on its own would probably be a beneficial thing for scheduling purposes, especially as ESPN starts looking for more TV inventory. It's like, hey, we want more women's college basketball. Let's put a mid-major game on, um, you know, late on Thursday night or whatever. Or you have some room to maybe slide a game to a Friday. Uh, you, You can do a lot of different things, a lot of different creative, unorthodox things, Um, with both of your schedules. Uh, I I think the traditional Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday is something that when the travel footprint is so tight already because this is a bus league, you bus – there are no flights in the SOCON except maybe like Sanford going to Charleston because they're willing to light that money on fire. Uh, But I'm pretty sure they bust to Charleston. You can do a lot of things – with scheduling flexibility um, because you don't have to be hard and fast. Like, well, you're on the road, so you have to be on the road for this amount of time and blah, blah, blah. Like, So it's got to be structured like this, and we have to have travel partners. And you, you don't have to try to make all the pieces fit quite that way. You can do some creative things or have some unique things. In, in the Missouri Valley, they don't even have travel partners. So, I mean, experiment with, with a lot of different things with, with scheduling. And I think having some Sunday men's games in particular – would be good. Uh, I would prefer it though if ETSU won them.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, uh, ultimately, yes, that would be the goal if they could win them all.
0: Uh, because mm-hmm. like Pleasantville Best- High School, yeah. they literally win them all.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's probably a separate subject on that. But on the you know, I been a part. It, it's funny because you know the ASUN used to flip it one year. Uh, the men would be Thursday, Saturday, and then the next year they would be Saturday, Monday, and the women and they generally always had that Saturday was a Mm doubleheader. So then you always got the women's and men's game back-to-back. And so that was an interesting concept where, like you're saying, we had a great example a couple Saturdays ago was ETSU men and women opposite uh, venues but the exact same time. Yeah. So even if you wanted to try to watch or listen or whatever, you had to to choose. And and luckily, you know, fans love to – attend the ETSU games. And yes. so, the, you know, they go to the women's game, and I'm sure they either check Twitter or maybe some of them had an earpiece in or whatever. Yeah, I was say support, support to starving artists, listen to the game on the radio. Right. So I think there's there's a lot to that. But I even wish, well, even if they were opposite, um, you know, could they figure out a way to, to, you know, do the times? But then you're talking about, okay, you know, what home school wants to give up their time, their normal time slot? Right. ETSU's been two forever. Saturdays for women, and lessons that way to better women, and then men had been up for. Man, I think that's probably my first or second year we played an occasional night game, and it eventually settled on 4 p.m. Um, yeah, Saturday night is tough. Yeah, well, and I, and I, I th- think too, because at that point you're not
0: just competing with sports; you're you're competing with nightclubs and family dinners and, uh, you know, all across the age spectrum, whatever it is that you do. You're probably going to try to find a way to do it on a Saturday night. It's it's tougher to get to a basketball game. I remember even,
1: yeah, you know, I think I've told this story too. Steve Forbes came in and he was just beside himself. We didn't play at 7 p.m. on Saturday, and we tried to explain it to him. And I mean, he was just like, well, that's a, a mid-major. He's yeah. like, it's yeah. the toughest thing I've ever did. You know, well, what are we doing? And I get, you know, but at Wichita, it's what they did, and so he's he's going through the thing. And I said, well, I said, well, coach, I said, there's a couple things. I said, one, we have a very powerful AM station, whole game on yes. before the power down or right at it, uh, and so we get a lot of media coverage with that with a lot of fans that still listen to games, and I said, the other thing is, is I said, after the game, 6-6-30, people can go eat dinner. I mm-hmm. said, you can actually go out and... You and still have so, your whole day, yeah, your whole evening. After the, midway through the first full season, because he basically had a standing uh, agreement with Wild Wing Cafe at 6-30 at home or 7 o'clock, whatever it was, they would put all the tables together, the whole staff, their families would go. He'd invite fans out, and he would hang out with them. And about halfway through, he was like, you know what, I don't ever want to play a Saturday night game again. This, <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> like, you know, the game's not over at 9. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get to eat at 9.30, 10 o'clock, and then i got to decompress, and then I get home. Yep. He's like, I can. He's like, this, this is absolute genius. And I told him, too, I said, for a lot of, you know, and I'm in this boat where you got U Sports. I said, a lot of those U Sports are, are – you know, four o'clocks late enough. These sports are kind of over, and you can, you can get to it. There'll be an occasional where, like, yes, uh, you know, one of my kids' games will bleed into that. You know, four, four thirty, something like that. Come right. kind of a little late, where maybe it's seven, they won't. But I say that, and my daughter played a nine twenty p.m. indoor soccer game last Saturday. Mm. So <laughs> I don't, it wouldn't matter about what time it was, one way or another. Um, they have a few of those scheduled here and there too. So. Not every time is going to fit whatever, but I do think at least the timing of 4 p.m. for ETSU men's basketball works. And all that to say, even though they play different venues, you know, ETSU is probably not willing to give up their time, so it's going to be hard to ask, hey, Furman, could you switch your time so that the ETSU fans can go to a home game and then pay attention to your home game <laughs> later? So it's, it's just a tough um, And – We're trying to, to help do,
0: your TV numbers. There's <laughs> well, no doubt I, mean, I can prove that to us some ESPN
1: numbers, but A-o. I, I think the other thing is, is, you know, do you move it to an opposite day and then you give them four days, and sure. you know, again, as a fan base, you know, can they make a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or a Thursday... Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, or whatever. Turn it into a marathon, right? If there's four games, home games that week, can't everybody come out four times? So I don't know. But then the
0: alternative is mirrored scheduling, where one team is on the road at one team's venue, and the other team is on is in the opposite city. Like Samford is at ETSU for men's basketball, and women's basketball is at Samford on the same day, and I hate that.
1: Yeah, it was. And again, when we first. We being the ETSU rejoined the Southern Conference, it was that way. The men and women were never. There might be one time a year that you had to go doubleheader Thursday, doubleheader Saturday, but for the most part, you were always opposite. And a lot of times you were opposite exactly who you were playing.
0: I would rather do all doubleheaders than mirrored scheduling, and doubleheaders are exhausting.
1: Yes. I would rather rather do all doubleheaders. Yes. We we got one more. We got three this year. uh, Yeah. You know, one one a year I'm good with. I, I think because you, for me, for the women, I think it gives them some good exposure to f- people that only want to come to the men's games and they get a chance to say, hey, you know what? It's pretty, And I think we've hooked men's fans that have seen the women play that way in, in different years, too, not just specifically the last couple with Brenda Mock-Brown, but we've had, you know, I take a great example where we played, Tennessee at home with Brittany Zell, and that was a nip and tuck game. Uh, Ended up being 8 or 12 at the end, but it was nip and tuck. Um, EHO ended up throwing, you know, like 35 on the board, and, and, you know, it was an exciting. And then their attendance went up uh, greatly that season because of, you know, exposure and seeing that brand. So, and the women's game is growing. We've always been huge fans uh, of women's basketball. I mean, I've been
0: at the epicenter of it my whole life. Like, I grew up. Tennessee, in the, at the, when Pat Summitt was at the height of her powers, right? I know we don't like to talk about, you know, the orange on this part, but that's the, that's the truth. It's her, she's a defining figure in uh, women's college basketball. Then my first gig out of college, well, I came, well, I came here, first of all, and I was uh, on the back end of the three-peat with Sierra Evans, Teronda Wiles off balance with the runner off the glass, Letitia Belcher, those great teams under the late, great Karen Kemp. And then my first gig out of college was UConn. So uh, they won three national championships in my three years there. So I've always been about women's college hoops. I, I think it's great. Yeah, and then you did North Dakota State women's basketball, and which has great Tennessee tradition, women. but was not particularly right. Good not at the on time. those level, but in the right. same token, but they like, still had a lot of tradition. The there was a lot of investment in it, and, and yeah, you know, I've been around the game a lot, and um, it is a very different game culturally, but it's just as competitive, it's just as passionate, it's just as fun. I love watching it in a lot of ways I mean you got I think you have more forwards and post players in the women's game that can pass and shoot at a high level relatively speaking than you do in the men's game
1: well, and I like the way the game is played for simple again simple things quarters <laughs> resetting the fouls the yes uh, yes uh advance. Right, the timeouts to the advance v- on the late There are several the minutes, things whatever. the women's uh, game has right. Uh, they call travels. That's, <laughs> you know, that's something <laughs> that has almost turned into the three-second call. Like, you almost see as many three-second violations as you see travel calls now in men's basketball. I that's have
0: incredible. seen, I saw, I think, two three-second violations in the Saturday game at the roundhouse ETSU in Chattanooga.
1: The double unicorn, because you don't ever see that. I think I saw
0: two, three seconds, yeah, one on know. each team, and then. And, well, um, maybe
1: that's oh, to make everybody feel better.
0: That a couple the of tr- and then a few travels. Typically, when players are starting their drive, they don't dribble the ball before they take that step, which is never called in the men's
1: game. No, so you can flat out no. stutter step, shuffle the feet, change pivot feet, draft dance. You know, European uh, jump stop with an extra step. Pick up one leg and tie your shoe. I mean, yeah,
0: you can do whatever you want. It's it's like the the left tackle. Where the left tackle is so blatantly false starting off the line, and they never call it until the one time they do. And then you're like, why did you throw that flag?
1: Yeah, the men, men, you probably have a better chance of getting the travel with the big underneath the hoop after an offensive rebound, trying to gather and dribble, as opposed to the guard catching – Shuffling, stutter stepping, then dribbling. Like it's, and, and to me, it's like it's it's the opposite on the fouls because you can get a bloodbath underneath the goal, no foul. But if you get that illegal screen or that 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 two hand call fifty feet away from the hoop, buddy, they'll get that every time. They are not going to miss those calls. You get bludgeon underneath Blood. the hoop, nothing. Same That's token, wild. you get a running start before you dribble, never called underneath the hoop, travel. So it, it, it's it's weird. They, you know the travel get the big men, and they can get just destroyed underneath the hoop, Mm -hmm. and then again, they get every illegal screen that has nothing to do with the play Mm -hmm. or or whatever, so...
0: Yeah, but I I do agree. Men's men's college basketball is the only high-level form of basketball in the world that still plays halves. Even the low-level,
1: because, I mean, my kids, Parks and Rec, play quarters, high High school school plays plays, quarters, middle school plays quarters. Now,
0: we, we can get into high school not having a shot clock, but... That's a whole different right. story, but, but, in but general, in high school but, still play even even without a shot clock. They still understand the importance of playing the game in quarters, and and the way that fouls are tabulated. But um, that's a that's a conversation for another time. All right, you want you want to get to you want to get to the commish?
1: Yeah, let's let get big, that The, in the it, big man. Yeah, let's talk to him. Admiral has the con. National coverage today. It's ETSU Chattanooga, 99th meeting all time. We normally break down today's game brought to my by Porter's Tower. We're going to have a different segment, Porter's Tower. We were blessed to have the conference commissioner of the Southern Conference, Michael Cross, join us. And so we're going to talk all things Southern Conference for the next few minutes. And, uh, MC, first of all, thanks for taking the time. And uh, been now, what, five, six months? What's it been now? Seven now. Seven months. Since July one. So now you've had a time to kind of wrap your head around everything. What are some of the things now that you've been around the league for for the better part of half a year, what would you like to see happen overall for the league to go forward? Well, you know, the
2: future of the league is bright. Uh, The the landscape that we are operating in is complicated. You know, the NCAA's uh, landscape right now is really challenging. There's a lot of things happening as it relates to lawsuits, as it relates to how are we going to define athletes? Are they going to be students? Are they going to be employees? And so positioning ourselves in a way that allows the 10 schools in the conference to be as competitively successful as possible, uh, to be as academically focused as possible and promote the high-end academics that we've got in the conference are two big pieces. And then we're going to work really hard at telling our story about what the Southern Conference stands for, and we've had a lot of internal discussions, and we're starting to have changes based on some new staff that have come in that are going to allow us to make sure that there's a really coherent message about the quality athletics, the quality academics, and the quality institutions that make up the conference.
1: I guess a the, the couple big things, and uh, just jump in just from you know listening to our fans and things they're concerned about. Number one, what would it take for the league and men's basketball? to take a step forward to try to get that second team into the NCAA tournament?
2: Yeah, so the trends are decidedly negative as it relates to how teams are accessing the NCAA tournament through a second bid. That being said, the SOCON right now is 13th in the net uh, as a conference, and we are in a position, I think, to, you know, we are maximizing every ounce of energy and resource that we have to make that happen. Really what this comes down to is success in the non-conference schedule, quality games, uh, ideally played at home as uh, a big factor, and we've got to get some more home games on our schedules. Uh, and then from there, making sure we go out and take advantage of the opportunities that we get. So there is not a day that goes by in our office that we are not talking about this topic. Uh, I can tell you that there is not a meeting that we have with our athletic directors that we are not talking about this topic. And we do think there is a path forward. I do not want to share that path publicly here as to what that is, other than to say, we are very dialed into the model that's being used to get that second team, which is the NCAA's net formula, we have broken that down extensively, and I think we have a very good understanding about how to move forward and some things that we can do to give ourselves a shot to make that
1: happen. With the women's uh, side of things and the, the news about uh, you know the new TV deal, tournament units, how close are we to that being a thing for women's basketball, and how would that help? Conferences like the Southern Conference. Yeah, it's an interesting
2: question. So, you know, the TV deal that came out valued women's you know the total TV deal was probably about one hundred and fifteen million across a, a wide variety of sports. I think they've attributed about sixty five million of that to women's basketball. To put that number in perspective, that is a fraction of what the men's March Madness is. The men's March Madness is you know a billion plus. So it's a much much smaller number. I think it's a good recognition of. The quality and growth of the sport that women's basketball has had uh, but the question of units is a really interesting one there's a lot of discussion about revenue distribution within the ncaa and what i would say is that distributing revenue based on competitive success doesn't necessarily have to be the way that we do it we could do it on a variety of things we could get out of the business of giving revenue distribution based on competitive success entirely and it would change the reward system and the way people value different things that they're doing they could say we're going to get more for academic success, more for educational success. So where that unfolds is hard to know. Revenue distribution in the NCAA is something that's governed across all three divisions. So to change those formulas, to change those models, is much more complicated than simply saying, hey, let's start getting units to women's basketball. So, uh, But that, that dialogue is happening. Uh, I'd like to see our women's program rewarded for their success. Uh, and it's something we've talked about uh, with our athletic directors as well.
1: Last question I want to ask you because the fan base would uh, not listen to me anymore if I didn't ask this question. Expansion. Where is the Southern Conference and looking into that with the ever-changing landscape of everything that's going on? Well, that's a good question.
2: Uh, so the, the way I think about the issue of expansion is you want to think about expansion for one of two reasons. You want to expand out of opportunity. Or you, wanna, or you don't wanna be in a situation where you expand out of necessity. Uh, so we wanna first and foremost make sure that the 10 member institutions that we have in the SOCON feel really, really good about their home, and I think they do. Uh, from there, part of our responsibility as an office is to make sure we're putting for- forth the best, most compelling, coherent uh, communication about the quality of the institutions, all the types of things that we just talked about earlier in this interview, and then the third thing is to figure out, okay, who fits the types of institutions that we think we are, we think we want to be, and where we aspire to be. And, uh, you know, I think there's some, some non-negotiables. You've got to have decent academics. Uh, geography is, is crucial. You know, we are uh, – there used to be this really negative term about terming yourself a bus league. Uh, the cost, the complications of flying, all these types of things, uh, the inflationary pressures that we're all seeing on a daily basis really put us in a situation where we go – we want to make sure we've got people who are coming into our conference that are in our footprint. And the way that to do that is to make sure you go out and try and find the people who uh, you think fit and do it proactively rather than reactively. So we're gonna be opportunistic. Uh, again, this is another topic that we talk about on a regular basis in our office, but uh, Strategies around that and what that might look like. Uh, I'm not going to divulge very much there.
1: So, all right, listen, we appreciate Mike Cross. We said we'd ask the questions. You said you'd answer them. and We appreciate the time and thank you for uh, joining us. And hopefully, we will have you on the podcast soon. Thank you,
0: Jay. Love to do it anytime. And no
1: uh, bucks for today, huh? All right, that's the commissioner, Michael Cross. All right, so four questions I got. In. Yeah, right, uh, one was a generic just to get get the thing going. All right, what what do you? Kind of feel it th- for me, kind of a throwaway just to get things rolling. Uh, before I asked, really, and I knew I was limited in time, so I knew I was going to get three questions in. Uh, so the first one, you know, where do you see the conference? course, you know it's great; he loves it. And
0: where do you and, see yourself in five years? Right. You know, all right, you've been here seven months.
1: What, what can you tell me? Six months, whatever. And <laughs> then I got into the the three questions I really wanted to ask. And one was, you know, the talk about when they brought him in. When they brought Sin was going to be two bid league. They were going, and he brought up, you know, what they're doing. They he didn't want to give away trade secrets during this interview, and I get sure. it. Sure. I mean, but for the most part, they have a plan. I talked about the, you know, the net ranking and, and what they're putting their eggs into. And he said what I've been hoping he would say, which is home games. Now, the question yes. I have for that is, are you just, and again, I didn't have time to ask a lot of follow-ups, so, but if I did, my first question would be, is the league figuring out a way to say, okay, we will give you. Whatever it is, X number of dollars, but you have to buy home games with it. And if you do that, you know how do you prove that? I mean, cause to me, I could see some ADs that are struggling in other areas say, mm, you know, maybe I'm not going to buy the home games. I need it in whatever area. But I think if the league wants to take a step forward, I think they need to each be allowed yes. to buy at least two home games. Three would be preferable. And I think it would be good for – I mean, let me say this. If you could get three extra home games um, and a couple of them be competitive team, right, teams that would help your net ranking, not bringing in an offense to the SWAC or the Miac or something like that, but you would bring in the – like they did this year. They brought in Davidson. there,
0: There is a pie floating above your head right now. Is it going to land on it? Is, no, it is It is in the sky.
1: Yeah, it's going to stay there, too, I know. So, uh, but if you could do that, and then one, you know, A, let's say you could raise ticket prices five, ten bucks mm-hmm. for the season, and that would help also cover some of the cost. Yes. you had some of those games, more home games. The more home games you have, the better. I, ACC throws out a stat, and I'll try to get it at the end of the year, that they actually chart, you know, what is – the records at home, non-conference, home games, and all of this other. And there's a reason why, right? They, some of these teams play two, you know, and if they do play road games at the high level, it's because they're playing another high-level team or it's one of those ACC, SEC challenges. Yeah, it's a neutral site game yeah. or
0: it's a big money game. It's part TVs of their rights contract. TV's put it track. together. Yeah, TV, so yeah. they're
1: getting paid. So even though they're not buying the game, they're getting paid for it. So there's a lot that goes into that. But if the Southern Conference – across the board could get two extra home games on top of what their normal home game schedule is, and you got a chance to get a few more wins under a belt against, you know, again, team like Davidson, he was able to bring in, or Belmont that uh, Chattanooga and Sanford were able to do an home-and-home with, and when you get some of those in there, now you're talking about elevating, getting the net ranking in, maybe a shot. I still have no faith the big boys are going to let, uh, you know, the Southern Conference play. In the tournament, uh, other than the one bit, but you're getting there, and it's and I think it helps the yeah. brand for the Southern Conference with your fans and playing more home games.
0: I agree with that part completely. I just think where do the resources for this come from? They have to come from the conference. You can't ask the schools some of which are very cash-strapped, as it is. Like, they're already... Yeah, we need
1: you to spend $150,000 on two or three
0: home games. Like, some of these schools are revved to the limiter right now because there is no other way to compete in college athletics, period. You have to be at the limit at all times. So this money has to come from the conference to buy these games. Where does that money come from? Does it come from the NCAA tournament units? that the conference normally, my understanding is that traditionally the conference takes the first unit uh, for the NCAA men's basketball tournament for itself, and then the second unit, if there is a second unit, any subsequent units are distributed to the schools. Um, I, I don't know if that's, you know if that's correct or not. I, I think we talked to Doc about this one. Yeah, they get it. They take
1: almost all of the first share to help pay for the league's office. Now, right. there is, if, Way well, you look at shares, it's paid out over six years, so there's technically six units. So and several of those
0: pretty pretty lofty,
1: right? I mean, you're talking was it sixty? I forgot what the number was. He told us once, I'm sixty-eight thousand units. So you times six, whatever. It is, you're talking about three, four hundred thousand every year, give or take per unit. Because it's basically my units same.
0: way more than that. I
1: can't remember what a unit is. What's a unit?
0: I think a unit's like. A unit is six figures a year, isn't it? I don't know. Is it
1: 135? Why does that number stick in my head? I don't know. You know but I get, thought it was way more than But that. you get five, right? Is it five-year or six-year paid-out? So, in essence, you get that times five or six, right? Yeah. So, whatever that number is. So, all right. A
0: unit... So the, the total value of a unit is $2 million paid out over six years.
1: So what's six out of
0: uh, two million? So that would be just under what? 700. No. That would be about.
1: T- doing some change.
0: It would be a little more than that. 200,000 200, times six would be. We're, like, doing, we're doing, we're doing math. this is the uh, most riveting oh part uh, of this uh, show. Three, what is that, like three three 300,000 a year? Uh, that sounds about right. What, about
1: six, what do you got on the
0: calculator? $333,000 a year.
1: Right. All right. And so you get
0: six of those. So you're getting oh, no, I thought million. it was two million. I thought that was paid out.
1: So you get 300. How many years? Six? Yes. So a rolling. Right. Right. So, so fir- ro- it would be a rolling whatever number of units. All right. So think about the first $333,000 is going to go covered.
0: League. And then Furman, went because they played in a second game. It's not the number of games you win, it's the number of games you play. Because they played in a second game, it's an additional $333,000 per year for the next six years. And we're still getting
1: the benefits of Wofford. I think we have one more year of Wofford winning the game when they were the And that players. was a little
0: bit, late. that was closer to 300000
1: Right, so all yeah. those are fluid. So out of that, you know, give or take two million you're yeah. bringing in, give or take. Yeah, let's call player. it yeah, let's call it six. So, the first, six, so the first unit right. of that, the 333, goes to the league office to pay for everything. So now you're down to the five units, which is broken down on some of the other criterion things that are split up. So that's sort of how, how it goes. So if you right. look at it, and the reason I think that, I think what the share is, this is where I got that from, the share for each team for the league is sixty-eight thousand dollars. If nobody wins a game, nobody does whatever. There's just one unit okay. that's split up over the ten schools. If you meet X number of criteria, then I think each school gets about sixty-eight thousand dollars of that money. If that makes sense to you now. And so sixty-eight of the sixty-eight thousand. The I, I leftover two million. The so two million minus the three thirty-three is one whatever. Then there's ten. You know, then you add in sixty-eight thousand times okay. okay. so six hundred eighty thousand. Now you're down to less than a million, and now how's that broken down to, and paid out is uh, up, is what I really would love to know. I like talking about it because it makes everything sound important. But Baloney, that it, is that all? Is that, is
0: that So basically,
1: yes. basically yes. one one sixth of the thing of the two million dollars will go to the league. Basically, another two, a little more than two thirds of that is split amongst ten teams, and then there's some leftover money that I don't know where it goes to and how it's broken. Genius. Yeah, okay. and you asked me what I knew, that's what I know. <laughs> but yeah, so my point
0: is, like, these resources have to come from the conference, the conference may have to adjust its own financial calculus in order to make this work, and then like you said, what's the enforcement mechanism? If you don't do this, we just won't give you that money anymore? I mean, that seems,
1: that's what that seems
0: like a, I, I don't know. That I've, sounds I've, great, but... But it How also do do feels it? like a good way to um, um, uh, ra- rally the, the the lawyers of Rohan. Um, so That would get testy.
1: So the ASUN kind of had a deal where they didn't give money to you that way, but basically they were like, all right, if you want to play a CIT game, it's $35,000 to host a CIT game. If you agree to host that, the league will send that money and pay CIT. So – you can't take the thirty-five thousand dollars and try to do whatever or back out, and I don't know that they would back out, but I mean, but the league. Would, so I think you could easily say, "Hey, look, you know, we'll write contracts, and the league can pay for these games, and then that way." I think you that would take be great. If you want to take advantage of more home games, then you can take advantage of more home games. If you are, uh, and again, I know there's some schools that need to play more um, money games to fund other stuff, and yes. they really don't want those extra sure home games, then fine. The league won't cover that cost. You can go make your money, don't do home games, and you figure it out on your own. On, on your and send, and
0: send that money to other schools that want to do it.
1: Yeah. I, I, to me, that would be, uh, you know, again, and I don't know all the bylaws with ASIN and SOCON right. and all that. But I do think
0: there. this all comes back to, this discussion comes back to, hey, what are the material benefits? Doc sat in that chair, Dr. Richard Sanders sat in that chair right behind me and basically said, we want to see the material benefits of being in the SOCON. What are the material benefits of being in the SOCON? You get uh, the smallest women's basketball championship, men's soccer championship, one of the smallest softball championships in the country. Uh, The conference takes the first tournament unit, so that's revenue distributions that the schools don't get, although we did just talk about that at length. It seems like they're... And, and, oh, yeah, the TV deal is non-existent. It's $68,000 for 65 events. We're basically producing games. As a league, we're producing games at cost, especially schools that produce more than the quota. They're basically producing those games at cost because they want to, because it's fun. I mean, I think it's fun. It's a little stressful, but it's fun. Uh, what are the What's the material benefit? Why, why are we paying all this money in we're doing all these things at cost. What is the SOCON giving us as member institutions in return? This is one of those things. This could be one of those things where if the, if the league creates a fund to help schools buy home games, that is a material benefit for being in the Southern Conference. That is a, a reason to be here because you are going to get resources to help you schedule better in basketball and build a brand regionally that helps you out. Now, there are a lot of other th- I mean, there are a lot of things. I could talk all day about the TV contract, which is coming due relatively soon for renegotiation, not imminently, but soon. Um, and then the other thing he talked about was the women's basketball tournament. Unit. I disagree with the commissioner. I understand his position. Uh, I understand that, that, you know, academic-based distribution or even just non-competitive-based distribution has a lot of merit, um, but I also think that the men's basketball tournament unit is so thoroughly entrenched, and gender equity is important right now for everybody in society, but especially it's, it's top of mind in the NCAA, given everything that went down in the 2021 NCAA tournament. The Alamo Dome with the, the yoga mats and the food, it was basically firefest basketball tournament edition, and trying to find ways to ensure that never happens again, one way you do that is by making women's basketball a true revenue sport by giving it a tournament distribution. If you're going to keep the men's tournament distribution, I think you got to create a women's one too. Uh, and I don't think anybody's got the appetite. There are not enough power brokers in the NCAA that have the appetite to scrap the men's tournament unit uh, to reevaluate the entire system. So a women's tournament unit to me is coming just based on that. That's what, they, they, the other one was uh, syncing up the men's and women's Final Four so they're at the same location uh, on the same weekend. I don't know if that one's going to happen just because there may be too much revenue involved in the future, but we'll, we'll find out uh, because I, I think at some point there could be an appetite to do that. But also if the women's basketball Final Four is going to be a huge growth property, then it may be worth it to break it out on its own and monetize it on its own people thought in that tv contract discussion that uh, women's basketball probably left a little bit of money on the table or the ncaa left a little bit of money on the table for women's basketball to ensure access to high distribution linear networks for its other championship sports they got women's tennis or they got men's and women's tennis on espn for the first time uh, obviously the college world, men's and women's college world series men's and women's college cup uh, the women's volleyball championship i mean all the other ncaa tournaments or championships are in with that the FCS playoffs as well. Um, So I think there are going to be – I do think that the position of the commissioner is a valid one, and it is one that would probably benefit ETSU. I just don't think it's very likely that that's the way it shakes out.
1: I'm glad you mentioned FCS because I enjoy that they signed – again, part of that deal was putting the championship game on ABC.
0: On a Sunday. Well, I didn't agree with that, but I agree with the
1: the, – got it moving forward on ABC so that, again, rabbit ears... Where would you like to see
0: it next? Because the Frisco deal expires, I think, after 2026.
1: I have no idea. Because, I I I mean, I don't know where I would like it next. I didn't even thought about that. Where I would like it next is on ABC on a Saturday. (laughs) How about Birmingham? Uh, Yeah, that's good. Birmingham would be good. That's a good stadium. Um, I mean, there's a lot, I think, of stadiums and cities um, that kind of fit the bill. Uh, I, mean,
0: I don't want one that's too big because then it just kind of becomes another thing that happens because Frisco rolls out the red carpet for this. Right, and, and it's it's basically an MLS stadium.
1: Right? It isn't, it, it's right. not basically. It is an MLS stadium. Right. The U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame
0: is bolted so, onto the stadium.
1: you know, you're talking about, what, what's it all, 12,000?
0: 13. 17. 7, yeah, It's 18.5, it's I think. It's about the size of the Fargo, road. Yeah, it?
1: so, I, you know, that's about as large as it ever needs to be. Um, I don't know that it needs 25,000, 30,000 seats. Uh, I just don't. Yeah. I think, you know, um, I think it needs more than 10,000. Um, you know, I think probably if you're within the 15 to 20 range, I, I, I'm okay with it. I think that's where it needs to go. So that limits – some of the, the places that could do it. Another
0: option that might be kind of neat is Canton. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be neat. I don't think they'd bid for it, but it would be neat.
1: I wonder what that's saying. Well, that's a massive. So we just drove by when we went up to Cleveland. I, I, think, to it's like, I think it's 22. It's, it's decent size. It's, it's,
0: yeah. it's right on the road, too. That's
1: that's we were pulling up. Yeah, there's a sign for Canton. And then literally, like, yeah. half mile there. That, there was, that was. would be, be kind of cool, I, I,
0: one, one of those. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, well, and there's plenty
1: of practice fields. There's plenty of stuff. I mean, you could do all kinds I of didn't, stuff. I didn't mean to
0: I, – I did mean oh, I, to sidebar you, but I didn't mean to sidebar Yeah, I, I,
1: no, but um, that is good. So the final four in the same location, I was a huge fan for. The problem is they've already – both tournaments are booked out through, like, twenty thirty or 31 or 30. I was trying to look that up. I think the women's are booked out through 31 and the men's booked through twenty thirty. So for that to move, you're still talking about 20, 32. 32, the first possible time yeah. you could get it together, which would make sense. Um, to me, I think you could really have a city, and you're talking about final four game on Thursday, Friday. No, was it was it Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, right? Yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So you got four days of just all the basketball that you can handle. Um, and if you happen to have this, you know, a team in both, which doesn't happen a lot. But if you're able to do that, man, how great would that be? That you don't split who goes to the men, who goes to the women. You got fan base in the same spot. But right? that'd be fun.
0: That way, digress. I that really. But
1: I, you know, interesting because he went a whole different route with that and went into things that I cannot. Mike. Now we're back on uh, the commissioner's comments, uh, Michael Cross, about the distribution units and basically that those are decided not just on a division one, but all across the three divisions, when you change a model, there has to be votes. So he went into something that I would not have thought about as a stumbling block in yeah. that. But I, I, I
0: wonder think. how much the reformed constitutions of the respective divisions impacts that. Well, and there's still because a ten lot years to come. ago, yeah, you you would have had to. But now I, I wonder if there hasn't been more latitude given to Division One to govern itself and determine that. But part of that is. That part of the men's basketball tournament distribution, because it's the main revenue distribution vehicle for the entire NCAA, part of that goes to D two and D three. So, do you have to create a, a unit from women's basketball that also uh, goes to D two and D three to some degree? Could be, that, that could be a challenge. That could be a logistical hurdle. I don't think that's a reason not to do it. And again. I think the way it's going to shake out is it's going to mirror the men's basketball unit rather than overhaul well, it. My, my concern is
1: if you got to a point where kind of men's basketball is grandfathered in and then try to do any type of distribution where you need, and again, I don't know the bylaws of NCAA enough, but if you need Division Two, II, Division Three to sign off on it, my guess is that it's going to be a huge stumbling block. And so he may be right. It might be easier to go up a yes. different route. And then the third thing, or well, ask for, but the yes. third thing I really yeah. wanted to ask him, You know, conference expansion, and I thought he handled that about as good as he can. Now, I'm not going to tell you what he told me off air when we got off because it was just between us, but it's uh, are monitoring stuff.
0: Yes. Um, I did ask
1: him, you know, on the women's sports, you know, how tough would it be for VMI and Citadel to add, and and he was quite blunt, and I knew this answer already. But those schools are about 90-10 male to female. Yes. So if you add more female sports, you're in the rare situation. You break Title IX the opposite way. Right. And you've got to add men's that, sports. That happened
0: to Western Kentucky uh, when they moved to FBS, I think it was. Um, like, they, they were in a weird situation where with their Title IX and uh, ended up having to drop a, a sport. Um, I don't remember what sport it was. I know they, they did drop men's soccer to add FBS football, but there was something else that they had to do because Title IX got wonky on them.
1: Yeah, so most of the time, like ETSU, it's 60-40 female males. So you have to have 60% of your scholarship supposed to be going to female sports, 40% males. Or
0: the athletic opportunities. Right.
1: So that's where you get into, for those schools, if they add women's basketball, for an example, or softball or whatever the sport would be, they would have to add a men's sport because they would be out of Title Nine. But for the opposite reason. Most of the time you have to add because you need to add more women's sports. Well, Citadel Those already has a soccer field. To so say that. yeah, there is a lot there. So we talked about that, but um, but we you know, he, he talked about and it was very aware and you know, getting back to what he did say on the record, basically, you know, there's two ways to look at it. You're either doing it because you you have an opportunity
0: or you're doing it because you have to. Right, and you don't want to be the second. So right. they I read into that there is a
1: list. They are Are they openly talking to make it go for next year? I didn't get that feeling, but is there a, hey, look, we are still looking and talking with the landscape changing. You know, hey, we've got our ears to the ground and talking to people in case, hey, we do need to add or if another conference shift where, you know, things are going and and two or three teams need a home, you know, could we be that landing spot for those teams?
0: Absolutely, and I think that's a good answer, and I I think that's, that's all we wanted to hear is we're paying attention. We're not going to be caught flat-footed by anything. uh, We don't want to be doing this because we have to. um, We want to do this because there's an opportunity, which in in its own way is doing it because you have to. It's like you don't want to do this because we have to, so we have to. Right. Kind of, kind of, sort of. You get what I'm saying. Uh, I think being proactive on this is something that that the commissioner can do that would really – fire up a lot of people and excite a lot of people and leading and building a consensus around the idea of hey, when this iron heats up we need to strike it because the iron has been hot before and the SOCON has not struck when when the, when the iron heats up we need to strike it that is something that would excite me again about um, the long term prospects of the SOCON because right now the league feels a little bit stagnant. It feels like some of its rules and limitations that it places on its membership are antiquated. They're things that are no longer in step with the landscape of intercollegiate athletics, and this is not the Ivy League. We don't do this for the fun of it. We do this um, for very different reasons from what the Ivies do, so we need to behave more like our peer conferences elsewhere in the country, and they are not doing some of the things that SOCON does. They have done away with some of the things that SOCON still does, like the interconference transfer policy, limitations on cost of attendance, all that. And resistance to expansion would be another thing that's out of step. And so I think hearing the commissioner say, the league office is paying attention. The league office knows that this is something we need to be on top of, and we are going to be on top of it, instead of just saying, yeah, you know, we're really happy with the membership that we have. I I take that as when the opportunity presents itself, we're going to do this, but we're not going to do – nothing is imminent. Nothing is imminent, but we are paying attention. We will not be taken by surprise when when realignment does happen. You want to talk about some basketball? I do. All right, let's talk about some hoops.
1: I want to talk because this is a,
0: I think, Wednesday –
1: is a huge Southern Conference men's basketball day. Oh, let me uh, backtrack. Um, ETSU um, played Chattanooga. Okay, Asheville. So I'm not going to talk about it. Anymore. Okay, yeah. You can comment whatever you want. I refuse to talk about it. Chattanooga beating ETSU ever.
0: Uh, I think ETSU. Uh, I, I can say I can speak to the women's game. Um, I think ETSU will beat Chattanooga here, and I think ETSU will beat Chattanooga on a neutral floor in Asheville to cut
1: down the nets. I love it. That's what I like to hear. Uh, Gosh, prediction time. Yes. He's <laughs> jumping in here. All right, so men's basketball. Yeah, uh, go, go
0: for it, men's basketball. Right.
1: Well, okay, the start there, now I'm going to talk the yeah. women because I think it's an interesting week for the women too. but on the men's side, the top six teams, yeah. you know, Sanford's still on to be undefeated. The UNCG's game on of 5-1, and four teams mm-hmm. at 4-2, and two, Western, Chattanooga, Wofford, Furman. The and, Furman uh, Paladins. There's the rest of them, ETSU, Mercer, VMI, and the Citadel. Citadel's still the only team yet to win, but right. the bottom four teams are going to play each other. ETSU's at VMI, Mercer's at the Citadel, and then Sanford's going to be at Furman. And yep. it, it, It's an interesting game. Obviously, Sanford's unbeaten. They got tied for the longest win streak in the nation with Utah State. You know, to yep. tell ETSU about how good Utah State is, Furman got Marcus Foster back. She played the last couple of games. They're coming played off a big well, win against Western really Carolina. Good. Western Carolina's lost two in a row, and they're going to play UNCG. And I'd be curious to see how that game goes in colorway. Yes, and then what do we know about the Wofford Terriers? Well, they're really good against the bottom four teams, and that's who they've beaten. Right. But can they make a statement of, hey, we're, we're, we're not just the sixth best team, but we've got a chance to maybe compete and get in the thick of things, maybe not for a championship, but get in the thick of things for maybe a two or three seed in the Southern Conference. And for Chattanooga, obviously – You know where where are they going to fall? Four and two versus Wofford. So I I think this is the best weekend so far in Southern Conference basketball for the simple reason of sort of the storylines when the storylines of the top six teams kind of getting together. Because I want to know is Furman where where they really just kind of tread in water until Foster's back and Peggy's and has been back longer than Foster, Foster's third game back. Yes. Are they going to be the preseason favorites we thought, knock off Sanford at home, their best chance to maybe beat Sanford is in their building. Can Western avoid a three-game slide, you know, against UNCG? I think that's a great storyline. And I'm curious about Wofford. You know, is Wofford kind of just going to be in that sixth slot um, and, You know, with the VMI, Mercer, ETSU, Citadels of the World, are going to have a hard time kind of catching Wofford. I mean, they played so many tight one-point, two-point games. um, It'll just be interesting to see. Now, they did get flat-out hammered last time on the floor against UNCG. That's why I'm I'm curious about what does Wofford do versus Chattanooga. And for Chattanooga, I think they still think they're a good enough team to be in that top-three conversation. So to do that, they've clearly got to win in Spartanburg. Yes. The other storylines, can Citadel pick up a win against Mercer, uh, their first of the year, and then obviously VMI trying to make it two in a row? Can he tissue break a five-game slot? So I think Wednesday's an unbelievable week or unbelievable day for Southern It's going to feel basketball. like
0: a week for some of these teams. Uh, it is going to be an eternity. And, yes, Sanford, which has looked like the team to beat thus far, go on the road to Cullowee, smash Western Carolina, Chorachor goes nuts. Now you're on the road again at Furman. I can't wait. Samford at Furman is the big measuring stick. Because remember, this time last year, Samford looked pretty good. And then they kind of wobbled, you know, in in the middle third of the conference season. And suddenly they didn't look so good. And Chattanooga started to round into form. And Furman really started to round into form. And those teams... Ended up playing for the Silicon championship. But like those teams started to look better. Western Carolina started to really come together at this point in the year last year. So being out front, it's like being at Daytona. Being out front early is all well and good, but it's about being out front late. It, being out front early just makes you a target. What does Sanford do now that the target is on their backs? Uh, they've got a Furman team that's healthy, that's confident, that feels more like the reigning tournament champions than the team that lost to Chattanooga. So I am thinking that this is firm and like you said, their best chance to beat Sanford should be an electric matchup. Hopefully it's an electric atmosphere in Greenville. Um, UNCG and Western Carolina, I think that's a must-win game for both teams. You know, that's a game that, that is a that is another proven game because if Western loses then you've dropped three in a row and suddenly you're not feeling so hot if you're UNCG, you lose that game. You're still five and two. Like you're still in the fight for a, 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 a top two or three spot in the conference. You can still finish third. You can probably still finish second. But you're off the pace now. If Sanford takes care of business against Furman, suddenly you're off the pace. You're two games back of the leaders. That's not a good place to be. And then Wofford, I, I'll level with you. I, I just don't buy it. I don't buy Wofford. They're 7-0 at home, but the best teams that they've played at home are probably ETSU and High Point, and they won those games by a combined three points. So I, I don't see it with them. I think Chattanooga gets a win there, but the others are open questions and a lot to be decided this, this Wednesday. Not even before we get to the weekend, but this Wednesday, a lot to be sorted out and learned in SoCon men's basketball. And that's the
1: way you want it. Yeah, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll probably get together. What time do you leave Thursday?
0: What's uh, about a, what, two-and-a-half-hour drive
1: to Culloweed? It's going to be we, raining. Yeah, we may have a shot Thursday.
0: We may have a shot Thursday. If 40, not, it'll be Friday.
1: Yeah. Uh, we'll, but we'll, we'll be talking about those games. And, and honestly, if we talk Friday, yeah, you know, we can actually break down the women's. Uh, and then set the table for Saturday. So we may do yes. Friday just so, just so we get the extra games in yeah. to talk about. We're definitely doing two this week. Uh, getting back on that. But to it,
0: to me though, I mean for women's basketball in the SoCon, um, this is this re- this weekend reinforced that it's ETSU and Chattanooga. UNCG on the road, just a different team, and not a good one. Uh, they are undefeated at home. They played some decent teams at home. Coastal Carolina I think it's okay Elon's all right um, But, they, I mean they go on the road and you lose by 24 to Mercer and then you lose by nine to Sanford that's not great so the UNCG suddenly two and two um, Wafford is two and one I still don't I still think that Wafford is a uh, ETSU and Chattanooga are bad matchups for Wafford. And UNCG plays a similar enough style that they were also a bad matchup for Wofford because those teams play slow, and they actually play defense. So... Yeah, those are the top
1: three of of the top, like, ten in the country in defense. Yes.
0: So Chattanooga, ETSU, to me, are one and two in the league, and Wofford could be in there. I mean, they won the regular season title last year, but I watched them play ETSU twice, and I was like, really? This team? I just – it just felt like like what I was seeing in the standings and what I was seeing on the score sheets was not matching up with what my eyes were seeing in the basketball game. So Wofford's got something to prove for me, uh, even though they're the reigning regular season champions. Chattanooga, I think, is still pretty good. Um, but I think ETSU gets them here. And then Samford, Mercer, Furman, Western, kind of just the rest – the professor and Marianne before they were given actual lines in the in the theme song. It's the rest. Well, yeah. it, so for you and did you like that reference? That's did, a little obscure for you, yeah. Eh, it's not that obscure. Well, maybe not obscure for you. It's obscure for millennials. That's, That's true. true. Well, we are both millennials, aren't we? I don't know. Who we are. Uh, You're forty-four.
1: Six. You're an exennial. Yeah, you? I'm not a, uh, a zenial. I don't know what I am, but def- definitely not a millennial. UNCG, this is the week, though. I I was going to bring that up, so I'm glad uh, you did that because they get Chattanooga's issue. At home. And that's the point, because you mentioned it. They're great at home, not been good on the road. If they're going to get in that conversation, this is the week to do it because if they drop both those games,
0: now you already have
1: four losses – ETSU would be a one-loss Chattanooga. No losses, you you know, you hear fighting. And, and we believe that it is a two-team. From the beginning, everyone kind of had a two-team race uh, for the championship. It appears to be that way. A lot of basketball to go. But it appears to be right to second. So if UNCG is going to kind to of throw the name in the hat, then this is the week to do it. And for Wofford, they need to take care of business with two home games, first Mercer, then Sanford because the following week is when Wofford gets to do the dread at Chattanooga ETSU. Think about this, because they do travel partners on the women's side unlike the men's side. Having to play Chattanooga and ETSU back-to-back games is brutal. It's unbelievable.
0: It's brutal.
1: Uh, uh,
0: I did appreciate Mock going on the record saying, yeah, I asked the SOCON not to put Chattanooga as our conference opener. Give us at least a couple games in before you you send us to chattanooga because they she knew they were going to get the whole week off when they play your travel partner and then you'd be in a situation where you had played uh, one game in about 27 days going to chattanooga I, I wouldn't like that at all
1: <laughs> I wouldn't like that if I were well, a coach I don't I don't, I don't like that at in, in fairness she said I don't don't put them first put them later in the schedule and she said they did me a solid by they weren't first and then she rolled her out and said but they were the second week. So uh, I don't think well, she Well at least you get a couple games in right, at right. That In point. fairness you got a couple going before you're able to do so. But yes I got the feeling that she would have rather played two or three weeks and then um, you know maybe got in that butt because they had the injuries and stuff, maybe yeah. it worked out because they did get a few folks healthy coming back uh, for
0: that jet. But, you, but but coaches will... If, whatever, whatever you give a coach, a coach will find something right, some wrong. Right, something's wrong with the schedule. Well, you know, we, we got we got uh, four of our first six at home. Well, it means you've got whatever, six of your last eight. Uh, uh, it's like, we've got four of our first six on the road. Well, you got six of your last eight at home or whatever. You know, like, you just... It's like, we're a really tough road schedule, front-loaded road schedule. Well, you have a... Backloaded home schedule, so the games that when you really think you're going to need to finish strong because it's about how you finish, you you'll be all right. And and then there will be well, this game was first and this game was third, and, you know. But but I do I do yeah, appreciate that. Coach Forbes, because yeah, yeah. he was like,
1: well, we got three games on a road to start to year. Well, that means at some point in time you got to have three games. You got to have three straight home games, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, But I do I did appreciate Mock saying like I went to the schedule makers and said, hey, can you just not put them first and they listened. Yeah, they put him second. Put him third.
1: <laughs> well, third. Second game. weekend. Second
0: weekend. But it was, it was, you still, you got another weekend. And, and that's literally, that's, that's, that's all she wanted. I mean, you take it. And, right? And, and the game lived up to the hype. You take oh. it. And oh. it did live up to the hype. It was awesome. Although mid third
1: quarter didn't look like it, but no, it, did, it, didn't. it did turn it did. quickly. But it, it, it
0: lived up to the hype, and it was a great basketball game um, between two teams at play uh, very deliberate basketball use every part of the shot clock it was an awesome game i wish etsu had won it as somebody that is an etsu alum and employee and uh, let's well, say fan um but it was fun that was fun and intense and dramatic and there was some great bold coaching choices made down the stretch and i just it was it was a chess match in every shape form and fashion that a basketball game can be a chess match it was great it was well played two great coaches going at it I Playing think and players I, making yeah. plays, and, and well, you know, Jay. The bottom line is players make plays. They do. They they, they do. And player Jada made a play. Jay Gwynn made a play on a lob, and that's what won Chattanooga the game. Uh, and ETSU had some great plays from Devay Brown and Kendall Foley to get them back in the basketball game. And Bree Beatty played great and was awesome on Raven Thompson on defense. I mean, it was great. She was she was uh, ordering furniture to move into Raven Thompson's head, like it was that kind of thing. Because when Raven Thompson finally did score a field goal, she turned around and she said something to Bree Bay, and got a technical.
1: I was going to ask you about that play because <laughs> it was very because it, it was almost the uh, TV broadcast. So we originally had it synced up for. Call was going over TV and I had it synced up perfect. And then, uh, fun fact about Jay's house when someone runs the microwave, uh, it throws off my <laughs> echo. The microwave? Yes, the microwave will stop my echo. The little echo. what yeah. is it an echo? Is that what it's called? The Amazon echo? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, Alexa echo, whatever it is. And I'm like, hey, Alexa, play The, the thing that corporations use to spy on you, yes. Yeah, yeah right. so, uh,
0: yes. And so we're sitting there listening. And
1: all of a sudden, I'm like, where to go? Where to go? And I try and look and. We have a microwave downstairs, which doesn't do that. And I'd already told everybody else, if you <laughs> got to use a microwave, come kind of upstairs. Like over there, you have my daughter who's 11 wearing, you know, her AirPods or whatever. And she's she's three, three minute chicken nuggets, right? So she's got chicken nuggets in her three minute pizza, whatever it was. I
0: do love me some some three minute chicken nuggets. Yeah, so anyway, three we got some nuggets in. or whatever. You should put chicken nuggets and in the microwave for three minutes. she so was know, like, who's right the microwave? The
1: and so she just turned around and was like, you <laughs> So anyway, so we had to turn up because I didn't want to try to resync the game up because at this point you're talking. It's like two, three minutes ago in the game. So I'm like, all right, fine. I'll listen to Todd and Chris go forth. Todd, game. Todd, Todd, love Todd. Todd, uh, Todd Agnew, okay. great dude. Yeah. And so they, it was right. It was like two trips before the technical foul because actually when we went to listen to them instead of Keith's call, and we listened to Keith the rest of the time, and they were they didn't catch the technical first. It was like, hey, blah blah. Yeah. And then they kept talking. So I'm so like, wait a minute. Is there a technical foul? Yeah. Was well, that on ETSU? Because, you know, what you were on, uh, Thompson shot the free throw before ETSU shot theirs. So, at first, they were like, well, I didn't see anything ETSU did to get I technical. didn't
0: see a signal for a technical foul. I didn't even hear. I didn't even think I heard a whistle for a technical foul. And then I saw a referee make a signal. Like, Sean Poppy was talking to the referee, and the referees were signaling, okay, she's going to shoot. And then players backed off the free throw line, and like, oh, well, yeah, there was a technical foul on on uh, somebody, so – and then they went and shot free throw line right. Was like, okay, yeah, well, so it was on they, Chattanooga,
1: it was on Raven Thompson.
0: Right as
1: Thompson shot the free throw, then they go back to the replay of it, and then you could see Thompson get in her face, and then that's when the TV goes, oh, so that's got to be on Raven Thompson. And then as they walk across, the it was. It was on Raven Thompson. So I guess the, the crew didn't go talk to TV to tell them, so that was an interesting not. little – because of Shout folks. out
0: Bruce Tranbarger for building that rapport with the refs to get us information. Agreed, because the
1: the, the Anthony Jordan explanation. Um, well, let me finish the thought on women's basketball, and I'll give you because there were three times Anthony Jordan came over to correct a uh, a question that Bruce had, and Bruce had such a good question that Anthony Jordan gave him an answer. Then another media timeout said, "Hey, hold that thought. Let me think that through." went to another media timeout, came in and talked it out and then we got the answer we wanted which I'll tell you in a second but so everything was there so you know again because the crew and then I didn't know that you didn't know but we were trying to figure out what was going on I'm like oh man they're going to get technical foul and the free throw and next free throw they went to the other end I mean it's just there was a lot going on there and I thought the fouling at the end um Threw Chattanooga off. I thought that was really smart. Uh, by,
0: I agree. That's that's good coach. That's good strategy because you had three fouls to give before you
1: put him at the line.
0: And I think the you know and I think
1: again you about chess match. So Sean Poppy's like okay they're doing that. If we catch it again they're going to foul us before we can shoot. Right. We're going to okay. run a lob. And I think Foley honestly just was playing the ball and didn't realize it wasn't her man that came over for the lob and you know he just ran into her and just, you know no problem with as many much as I would love to complain about a foul that put Chetton on the line, it was a foul. It was I a right it was a call. good call. Yeah. It was a right call. You know, and so, and then I thought they ran a nice set um, piece where they used neve as a decoy, I thought, and got it to Jakai, I just didn't think caught it cleanly, and then she had to try to rush it and didn't get it off. But yeah, and she just never I, had her feet under her. I, I, I thought it was a great design play and and ended up being a great game, and, and to... Give the Chattanooga TV guys credit. They they talked about lived up to the billing. These are the two best teams. They were very complimentary of uh, both sides and what a, just a spectacular contest it was. And yeah. it was it was a good one to see. Yeah, I, I think
0: you tip your cap to Sean Poppy at the end of it because he drew up the play that that delivered checkmate for his team. You know that that lob play was that was really smart coaching. They knew it was coming, and uh, it it did its job anyway. And then we saw a similar
1: play with the men where they had fouls to give. They fouled one time and then backed off, and you saw the almost a 30-foot heave thinking they were going to get fouled, and it goes in. <laughs> yeah, at the They're end on of the first out half, yeah. And you're just going, oh, uh, God, yeah. And everybody's like, what was that play? I said, well, each issue fouls to give. They had just fouled on purpose. So he was expecting to get fouled, and when Tyler Rice backed off, he was already kind of leaning, and so he – he had to throw the ball; he had nowhere else to go, and I so said he just chunked it in, and it just and, came, it and, kind of backfired. And
0: the, the reason ETSU is one in five is that when they do stuff like that, it doesn't go in. Correct for whatever reason. Game-winning plays aren't happening for whatever reason. I and I, I don't think it's because the players aren't good enough. I don't think it's because the coaches aren't putting them in positions to succeed. Stuff's just not happening. Murphy is on the end of the bench right now for ETSU. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong, and they gotta just grind their way through it.
1: And hopefully Karan Boyd's back next weekend.
0: Yes, we, we are actually, hoping he actually
1: did shoot around um, the it, after shoot around was over. I saw getting shots up, he had the boot off. So if everything progresses, not VMI, but hopefully Sanford. Okay. And Anthony Jordan play real quick because it doesn't make but on the shot, and then they went to the shot clock. Yeah. Bruce was asking if the ball wasn't released, but the foul was before. And Anthony Jordan actually said uh, yes, they would shoot two. Then yeah. he came back and said, well, actually, could have been a violation. And Bruce said, no, well, what? if He still got fouled before that. He said, yeah. Back on that? He yeah. Back said, Chattanooga actually
0: had two shot, two baskets wiped off for shot clock violations at the end of the second, and third quarters. Oh yeah. Uh, for, for the for, for the, the women. It was right. absolutely wild. So that's it for today's edition of the Jay and Keith show. We'll be back with another one at some point this week. I don't know. Maybe Whatever. Thursday or Friday. Probably Thursday, maybe Friday. We'll maybe definitely we don't have know. One. You'll just have to sweat it out with Jay and Keith on the Buccaneers Sports Network.
1: Use the other way.